Hello, this is Melissa, and it is the 14th of January, 2024, and I hope that you're all doing well as we head into the coldest part of winter. So a few things that I wanted to say, and the first is regarding the coldest part of winter, is I'm recording this on Saturday before it hopefully goes up tomorrow, and I say hopefully because we are going to be having four full days of below freezing temperatures day and night so even during the day which is quite unusual here it will not rise above the freezing mark and it's actually going to get quite cold a couple of days in there there's a chance of snow there's a chance it could be freezing rain and this happened in february of 2021 i was still in canada of course but when it happened here it was it was a disaster Millions of people were knocked off the power grid for a few days. People died. And I noticed when I had to do my grocery shopping yesterday that it was a busier day at the grocery store than I had seen before our Thanksgiving or Christmas. And there was, there was a lot of obvious panic buying occurring. People were just loading up their carts. They were in a hurry. I had to actually wait 10 minutes to find a parking spot. Just wait until someone pulled out. Um, So it was busy and kind of crazy, but that is where we are. So hopefully this will go up. If it doesn't, it means the power's out, and there's no way that I have to communicate that to you anyway. I also wanted to mention, I I said back in October, I've mentioned it a couple of times since then, um, that I had a big increase in my property tax and um, that you know now I'll have a whole year to prepare for that but I had just between October and two weeks from now to come up with this huge increase and I haven't made it yet so if you've been thinking about visiting the website and subscribing on Stripe or ordering something this would be a great time to do that because, well, I'm just waiting for the miracle. But as I wait, I thought I ought to say something. So thank you and thank thank those of you who have supported because, as always, I'm just running behind. And it seems that on emails or on people who do offer support, I'm always running behind, and I don't feel good about that, but that is just the way it is here. So I do say a big heartfelt thank you to people who contribute and support. It's appreciated so much more than I can express, so thank you. I also wanted to mention quickly... And this is also asking a few of you to do a little something. But before Christmas on Real History, I did an episode entitled Christmas in Norway with Siv Tove, who is Norwegian, living in England for a long, long time. And if you enjoyed that episode, and you can just send one line to me, uh, or uh, you know, and or sieve 
and just say that you enjoyed it, you got something from it, you were inspired, etc. Siv and her family, they are at a difficult point right now. And I know that Siv would love to hear that you got something from that talk, and I know her family would benefit from it. So it can just be as simple as thank you for doing that episode. So anybody that has time and can shoot an email and just give a little one-liner for Siv, thank you. I also wanted to mention that because of the preparations that I have to do and I need to run up later on today and make sure that Aunt Betty is going to be warm enough. I, I already got her plenty of water in the house yesterday when I did my shopping and a few other things. But I have to go up and make sure that she is feeling like she's prepared to go into a really cold spell. And I'm not going to have very much time to illustrate a video between now and tomorrow. And whatever I do manage to put up, I'm sure that it will be sparsely illustrated. So there, that is that. I think that that's the main part of the little... Um, announcement kinds of things that I wanted to get out of the way. And so what was on my mind? Why did I choose the talk I did? And what is the talk I chose? Okay. This is going to be hour one. I, I don't think I'll put up the second hour, but I will link to it. And I want to tell you that there is a second hour and it's well worth hearing. But this is, will be the first hour of a talk that Alan did on a show called Eye on the Future Radio with a woman by the name of Hepzibah. And this is a very interesting interview. And I'm going to tell you why it came into my mind right now. And this is one of the things that I like about the real history and kind of opening things up in a, in a little way for communication between listeners. And I, I got a message from Michael in Sweden who wanted me to pass on this particular talk to someone else. And I'll leave their name out of the conversation for the moment, but he said, we talk about knowing yourself, know thyself. And he said, Alan really gave a good talk, a good bit on what it means to know yourself in this interview that he did with Hepzibah on March the 27th, 2006. I forwarded the information and then I went back and listened to it. And in addition to that very good section, which is late in the, um, in the interview for those who like to skip ahead and just pull it out, it's right around minute 48 or so, but it does help if you've listened to the whole full, you know, 45 minutes leading up to that to understand why they were having that conversation. And then I'll just go ahead and say, in the second hour, they got into some really interesting conversation about some history that we don't hear that much about. And the gene of ISIS 
noble orders, Scientology, Mystery Babylon, I'm just Mithraism, I'm reading the topics there from the website. What isn't on the topics list, but what they do talk about is um, Alan talks about what Zionism means. What, where, where do we get the word Zionism? What is Zionism? And it's a, it's a different from any other explanation that you will ever hear. So that's the second hour, which, like I said, I will link to and you can listen to. Unfortunately, these two hours were never transcribed. And, you know, there are, there are missing transcripts here and there for whatever reason. Um, because all of these transcripts, I mean, the bulk of them were done by one person. Then there was another early on who did some, but... Many other people, particularly the foreign translations, people have devoted themselves to doing. And there is an, you know, another transcriber who just did the talks between Neil Foster and Alan. So, but it, for all of the handful of transcribers and translators, they haven't all been done. And I say that because I find it so helpful when I'm looking for talks to put up again or topics that were covered to be able to go back and read that because I can't tell you, uh, you know, unless I just devoted, a, you know, a whole day to the project, which I never have, to tell you where you'll find this in the talk or exactly what words he said when he said it. So in this particular redux, you'll have to rely on your own ears to really listen carefully to everything that's being said, but it's so worth it. So anyway, I wanted to think about what was going on in the world right now, and I know those of you who are following what's going on are going to have heard that the U.S. has made airstrikes on Houthi targets. So the the first thing I wanted to know is who who exactly are the Houthis, and how do you say that? It's H O U T H I S, and it's just one of those things where you can put it in and find three different ways of saying it, and there you know you'll have heads of state and politicians and historians, and they all say it differently. So I chose, rather than going with Houthi or Houthis, to say Houthi or Houthis, Houthis, because it seemed to me that most of the people who live in the Middle East refer to them as Houthis. So Houthis are Yemeni rebels, and uh, just see if I can give you just a little bit here from Wiki on the Houthi movement. They are Ansar Allah, which is supporters of God, Shia Islamist political and military organization that emerged from Yemen in the 1990s, predominantly made up of Zaidi Shias, with their namesake leadership being drawn largely from the Houthi tribe. So it is said that there are about 200,000 of them now, that they're alleged allies. They allege that Iran is an ally, something which is denied by Iran. Syria was an ally up until 2023. North Korea, an alleged ally. Oman, denied by Oman. 
Libya allegedly until 2011. They have non-state allies such as Hezbollah and the Hamas. And then they have opponents, which include the Yemen's, uh, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Jordan, Sudan, Bahrain. Sudan evidently was an opponent up until 2019. I don't know what that means. Uh, France, United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Israel, uh, etc., etc., of those who oppose them. But what has happened is that there have been attacks on ships in the Red Sea for at least back until December. This could have been as early as November. So I'm going to give you the mainstream first on this. This is from CBC in Canada. Houthis vow strong response as U.S. launches new strike in Yemen. And this is from today, the 13th of January. U.S. airstrikes on Houthi targets aimed at curtailing Red Sea shipping attacks launched by Iran-backed group. The Houthi movement threatened a strong and effective response after the United States carried out another strike in Yemen overnight, further ratcheting up tensions as Washington vows to protect shipping from attacks by the Iran-aligned group. The strikes have added to concerns about the escalation of the conflict that has spread through the region since the Palestinian militant group Hamas and Israel went to war, with Iran's allies also entering the fray from Lebanon, Syria, and Iraq. Lebanon, Syria, and Iraq. Okay, so on that list, Wesley Clark, starting with Iraq, then Syria, then Lebanon. So these are our, our players here. The latest strike, which the United States said targeted a radar site, came a day after dozens of American and British strikes on Houthi facilities in Yemen. So that is from the CBC. The New York Times said in their piece from the 11th, Who are the Houthis and why is the U.S. attacking them? The Iranian-backed rebel group has launched dozens of attacks on commercial ships in the Red Sea since the war between Israel and Hamas started. Okay, so now according to Wiki, Iran denies this, but Wiki doesn't supply any documentation of whether or not Iran backs them. The New York Times tells you that they are an Iranian-backed rebel group. So again, you have to devote, you have to be full-time devoted to the region to sift through the propaganda. Since mid-November, the Houthis, a Yemeni rebel group backed by Iran, have launched dozens of attacks on ships sailing through the Red Sea and the Suez Canal, a crucial shipping route through which 12% of world trade passes. The United States and a handful of allies, including Britain, stress that because that's important, I'll get back to it, struck back carrying out missile strikes on Houthi targets inside Yemen early Friday local time and thrusting the rebels and their long-running armed struggle further into the limelight. The attack on Houthi bases came a day after the United Nations Security Council voted to condemn 
in the strongest terms at least two dozen attacks carried out by the Houthis on merchant and commercial vessels, which it said had impeded global commerce and undermined navigational freedom. Here is a primer on the Houthis, their relationship with Hamas, and the attacks in the Red Sea. Now, that's the New York Times. It is behind a paywall. The primer is interesting. You might be able to get a freebie glance at it. Or you can probably find an adequate primer from some other free source. Let's just jump over to Paul Craig Roberts. I wanted to give you a couple of things that were outside the mainstream. And I will say, Paul Craig Roberts and Global Research, you know, they've got a spin. Alan linked to them a lot. I'm going to link to both of those sites today, but you always have to know whatever you're looking at has a spin. And I'll come back to that too. So, Paul Craig Roberts said that he was reposting this on the 12th. I'm not sure when the article was originally posted. But he said, reposted to correct faulty editing. Washington escalates the Middle East conflict. As I expected, Washington is moving the conflict toward Iran. Washington chose this moment to escalate in order to direct the news away from Israel's trial in the International Court of Justice. Regardless, Washington's neoconservatives intended escalation from the beginning of the Israeli-Hamas war. Now, he cites an article there, and I'm going to read that one too, from UNS, written by Mike Whitney, who is another longtime journalist Alan has linked to. I think it's a good piece. I'll link to that as well. But before I read that, I'll carry on with Paul Craig Roberts. He said, It has been clear to me since 9-11 in 2001 that neoconservative dominance in Washington guaranteed we were on a road to escalation that would eventually reach Armageddon. Um, no fear-mongering there. <laughs> the world is, but, you know, I mean, I, I know where he's coming from because they have been preparing the minds of the West and in particular the minds of Americans and Christian Americans for Armageddon. The world is going to be victimized by the incapacity of the American political and intellectual classes to think clearly and honestly. We are approaching Armageddon because U.S. foreign policy serves Israeli expansion, not peace. Washington has now launched air and naval attacks on Yemen. Then he lists some city, some bases and places that have been attacked. I won't try to pronounce them, but there's a handful of them that have been attacked by American forces, initiating yet another war without congressional approval a branch of the U.S. government emptied of power. The New York Times, of course, blames the expansion of the conflict on the Houthis for interfering with shipping to Israel. With any luck, the fools in Washington will topple all the U.S. puppets in the Middle East. Even Bahrainis are in the streets today protesting Bahrain's participation in Washington's attack on Yemeni territory. The price of oil increased in response to the American attacks. Oil kingdoms such as Saudi Arabia and Oman are beginning to feel rocky as a result of their alignment with Washington against the Houthis. 
The White House fool says it is the Houthis' attacks that are reckless, not Washington's. The New York Times and the rest of the Western media have gone to work placing all blame on the Houthis. The Houthis have announced that as a result of the U.S.-U.K. strikes on Yemen, all American and British interests have become legitimate targets. You can see where this is going. So I'm going to pop back up to the Mike Whitney article that he cited from the 11th of January. Mike Whitney, major escalation. Biden launches war on Yemen. And I have to just say off the top here, Biden doesn't do anything. But um, that administration, whoever is in charge, have launched war on Yemen. He is sharing somebody's response here from Twitter. Wait, wait, wait. The UN voted for a ceasefire in the Red Sea where the Yemenis harmed zero humans, but has yet to pass a ceasefire vote after 30,000 plus have been killed in Gaza. So just someone's comment, something to think about there. Mike Whitney said, on Tuesday, the Houthis launched their largest attack on ships in the Red Sea to date. 21 missiles and drones that were launched from positions on mainland Yemen were shot down by U.S. and British warships patrolling the area. No casualties were reported. According to a Houthi spokesman, the attack was retaliation for the killing of 10 Houthi militants who were strafed by U.S. helicopter gunships while trying to board the Maersk Hangzhou on Sunday. The Western media has omitted this critical fact from their reporting in order to conceal the provocation that triggered Tuesday's attack on U.S. and U.K. warships. The Houthis say the Hangzhou refused to respond to radio calls inquiring whether the ship was bound for an Israeli port or not, which prompted their attempt to board the ship. That's when all hell broke loose. The Houthis require that commercial ships acknowledge whether they are linked to Israel or not. The Maersk Hengzu failed to do so. Here is a brief summary of Tuesday's incident from a post at Sputnik International. And of course, the response to that is, well, Sputnik is uh, Russian propaganda, etc., so who are you going to believe? Russian propaganda, U.S. propaganda, British propaganda, Israeli propaganda. It's good to read far and wide. Now, one thing in this conversation, and I, again, I don't have the transcript in front of me, so I can't tell you where it is, but Alan and Hepzibah were talking about the mind control that people are under that is so strong and that is it's just almost impossible to break free from and that one thing that is so critical for people to wrap their heads around is the idea that none of these wars that your countries get you involved in or non-war conflicts whatever however they want to label them are ever for what we're told they are for. And Alan made the point, resources, always resources. I also wanted to say something else about Hepzibah. Interesting, um, if you look into the background, 
it's just she's an interesting woman and she must now be in her 90s uh maybe even you know up pushing you know 94 95 according to the bio on her website she has not published anything new or or spoken that i can find since about 2018 and the talks that she did regularly on Eye on the Future, those seemed to all the stop in about 2006, and then she created another website. But an interesting lady, and I'm going to share a little bit of the bio for just so that you can have this. Back in the early 1930s, an aristocratic family living in Holland was visited by a rabbi, a priest, and an astrologer. The husband and wife were a most unusual pairing. She was a First Nations Mi'kmaq princess who was raised in the Hebrew faith, and he was an industrialist blue blood from one of the oldest families in Europe. This couple was told that in seven years she would give birth to a stillborn infant. Oh, okay, so early 40s, so she might not be that old. She may be 80s now in her 80s. So that she would, they would, this woman would give birth to a stillborn infant and that this infant's body would be used by a holy one sent by the creator as a messenger to the world who would be here for the great times of change ahead. They were told they would be the custodial parents to the holy being as opposed to real parents in the traditional sense of the word. These same three, now think about that, three wise men, visited the couple again in Holland seven months before the birth and finally seven days before the birth. And true to what had been foretold, seven years from the initial contact, the custodial mother gave birth. And it describes a rather miraculous birth where the infant who had been stillborn suddenly came to life and light surrounded this infant. The only comment that I'm going to make about Hepzibah is that she was a delightful woman to listen to. She laughed easily. She's really got Alan's sense of humor and he made her laugh often. And I like that about her. So that, I hope you enjoy this this talk. I have not, in the Redux, posted anything that Alan did with Hepzibah. So there it is. Now, after that brief break, I'm going to return to the Middle East. And this is a very lengthy article from Global Research by Michael Chusadovsky. And it was initially published in November and republished in, on the 13th today, um, 13th of January, 2024. And it's quite lengthy. I'm just going to read the introduction, and then I'm going to give you a couple of the uh, subheadings within it. It's well worth reading, but I don't want to take up time on the recording to read the whole thing. Expanding Middle East War planned U.S.-Israeli attack on Iran, the war on energy, strategic waterways. Genocide is on the drawing board of the Pentagon. The Zionist lobby is firmly aligned with U.S. foreign policy. 
We stand in solidarity with Palestine, but we must recognize that the United States military and intelligence apparatus is firmly behind Israel's genocide directed against the people of Palestine. And this must be part of the solidarity campaign, namely to reveal the truth regarding Washington's insidious role, which is part of a carefully planned military agenda directed against Palestine and the broader Middle East. Netanyahu is a proxy with a criminal record. He has the unbending support of Western Europe's class politique. The U.S.-led war on the people of Palestine and the Middle East is a criminal undertaking. Israel and the Zionist lobby in the U.S. are not exerting undue influence against U.S. foreign policy, as outlined by numerous analysts. Quite the opposite. The Zionist lobby is firmly aligned with U.S. foreign policy and vice versa. It targets those who are opposed to war, who call for a ceasefire. It exerts influence in favor of the conduct of the U.S. military agenda in support of Israel. The U.S. military intelligence establishment, in coordination with powerful financial interests, is calling the shots in regards to Israel's genocidal intent to wipe Palestine off the map. America's military doctrine, targeting and killing civilians. The targeting of civilians and the killing of children in Gaza is modeled on numerous U.S.-sponsored massacres of civilians from 1945 to 2023, including the 2004 attack on Fallujah, Iraq. More than 30 million mainly civilian deaths in U.S.-led wars in what is euphemistically called the post-war era. Veteran war correspondent Felicity Arbuthnot reflected on the indescribable barbarity of the 2004 Fallujah massacre, which resulted in countless deaths and destruction. It was a genocide conducted by the U.S. military. The Americans invaded, chillingly, house to house, room to room, raining death and destruction on the proud ancient city of mosques. Marines killed so many civilians that the municipal soccer stadium had to be turned into a graveyard. Keep in mind that does not count the deaths of citizens, women and children, by embargo. The other segments, which I'll just highlight for you quickly here in this article, Quibono, to whom does it benefit? Hmm. Then Iran and the nuclear issue. And it goes on to talk about a resolution that was passed in U.S. Congress in June of 2023, House Resolution 559, which provides a green light to wage war on Iran. And then it gets into the war on energy. And this is most fascinating when you see the interests there, Russia, Iran, Qatar, the U.S., what are their interests? Uh, Saudi Arabia, of course. Where, where are the gas reserves? What is the share that the country has of the gas reserves? And what are they after there? And then NATO. And then finally, he gets to an important thing. U.S. seeks dominance over strategic international waterways. And he talks about the Ben-Gurion Canal Project, which I spoke with Neil Foster about last month. 
So there is a lot in this article that is worth reading it in full. But as I wanted to just check in and see what people were saying, I went to the Aspen Security Group. What do they call themselves? The Aspen Security, well, whatever they are, the, the, associated with the Aspen Institute. And there is a some kind of meeting that the Aspen Security Forum, okay, there you are, Aspen Security Forum held... I don't know where they held it, uh, on December the 7th, 2023. Okay, it was in Washington, D.C., of course. And the topics included regulating data, artificial intelligence, and the digital economy, the connection between climate change and mass migration, and the reasons why the U.S. and European nations should continue investing in the security of Ukraine. Well, I was specifically looking for Middle East, but I thought, if I just kind of skip through this, I I bet I'm going to find what I'm looking for. And sure enough, I found what I was looking for in the person of David Cameron, former British Prime Minister from 2010 to 2016. And I will link to this video. It's about, say, an hour and 18 minutes into an hour 20, somewhere in there. David Cameron has a new government job, and this is really important. A couple of things here. First, he's been made a lifelong member of, uh, given a lifelong peerage, which means he's a lord. So now he's Lord Cameron, um, the first uh, ex-prime minister to be given a lifelong peerage since Margaret Thatcher. So Lord Cameron, or the Right Honorable, <laughs> sorry, let's just look and see what his full name is. David William Donald Cameron, Baron Cameron of Chipping Norton, the Right Honorable, the Lord Cameron of Chipping Norton. <sighs> okay. Well, he's got a new job, and his new job is Secretary of State for Foreign, Commonwealth, and Developmental Affairs. Now, remember I've pointed out that the U.S. current Secretary of State is Antony Blinken. And Antony Blinken has, you know, CFR associations with the Aspen Security Forum Council, whatever. There's a lot that we could say about David Cameron. But what struck me when he gave this little talk at the Aspen Security Forum on the 7th of December is that we in the West now, and, and that's not just hot air because now he's in a position to do something. We stand with Israel. We do not call for a ceasefire. And those who are calling for a ceasefire do not understand the severity of the threat that Hamas poses to Israel, etc., etc. I heard it. I don't think it's a deep fake. So then you go back to see what are the latest little bits on his current relationship to that statement. And here we go. On November 23, Cameron visited the site of the massacre. 
one of the main massacres of Hamas on October 7, part of the 2023 Hamas attack on Israel. So 23rd of November, about six weeks ago or so, to meet Israeli Foreign Minister Eli Cohen. Afterwards, he met the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to discuss, among other urgent matters, facilitating further aid to Gaza. Cameron said in an interview with the BBC that he told Israeli officials that they must abide by international humanitarian law and that the number of Palestinian casualties was too high. He also said that the settler violence against Palestinians in the occupied West Bank is completely unacceptable. But two weeks later, he's standing unequivocally, unshakably, with Israel against Hamas. But on the 17th of December, 10 days after this little speech at the Aspen Institute, Cameron backed a, quote, sustainable ceasefire, end quote, in the 2023 Israel-Hamas war and called for more aid to reach Gaza and called for the Israeli government to do more to discriminate sufficiently between terrorists and civilians. He, however, rejected calls for a general and immediate ceasefire, and he differentiated a general and immediate ceasefire from a sustainable ceasefire. So the, it's word games, and when he elaborates on this sustainable ceasefire, he said there's no way that they can get to talking about a two-state solution until there is a sustainable ceasefire. It's word games. It's word games. But I find it very interesting that the UK has joined the US in these strikes against the Houthis. And interesting that a man such as David Cameron finds himself in the very elevated and important role of Secretary of State. So just something to think about there. I think that maybe the little soundbite that we hear when General Wesley Clark said, we're going to take out uh, seven countries in five years, you know, maybe this was a deliberately planted, um, exaggerated soundbite. Five years isn't doable. But what is interesting is that those countries on the list keep coming up as places that need to be dealt with and have been bombed into rubble or are being bombed into rubble. And finally, before I end, as a total change of topics, Neil sent me this morning a couple of things that I wanted to bring to your attention, and I'll supply the links for those. One of these is from the UK. It's a government site, I believe, and this has to do with benefits, people who take disability. This is numbers that were claimed be between July of 2021 and July of 2022. The number of new disability benefit claimants has doubled in a year. Okay, so this was published more than a year ago, but it's something to think about. Doubled 
in a year. In the U.S., also from a year ago, Social Security offices critical to disability benefits hit a breaking point. Now, you combine that with something that I linked to a two or three months back when Ed Dowd got a hold of more recent UK statistics on disability claims, and the numbers are still growing. Now, the interesting thing about both of these articles is the way they dance around the why of it. Ed Dowd breaks it down in a much more um, statistic-based way in which he shows who is ta- who is making the disability claims and what kinds of injuries that they have sustained to make those claims. But what you get in this, I think this is like seed planting from the Washington Post for the U.S. and from the government site in the U.K. It's planting the seed that the social services offices and departments and divisions themselves have been completely overwhelmed and short-staffed since the pandemic, the co- since Operation COVID, and they are unable to deal with the amount of disability claims and its backlog. So we keep hearing backlog, backlog, backlog. But I think if you look at some of the stuff that Dowd has put out, combine that with the things that Dr. William Mackis is pointing out on a regular basis, I think you can paint for yourselves a different picture that is, you know, that's more thinking for yourself and less about the propaganda. And I think one last thing that I wanted to say before I wrap it up is time. I I think Darren and I will probably get more into this topic since it was he who kind of brought it to my attention and wanted to discuss it. And I think it's worth talking about. But especially for people who are coming into this information, um, whether you call it waking up, the, the awareness of what is happening, there is a tendency to compress time and to make things seem as if they are all happening at once. And people freak out. People often have that same reaction, whether this happened to them 20 years ago or 25 years ago when they first started to see that things were not as they were um, presented. That, that tendency to think that it's all happening at once is a natural response. But also, this can be exaggerated or exacerbated by the way in which we, people who talk about it, present the information to you in, in compressing time and making it seem that these things are all happening at once. So as Alan pointed out over and over and over again, this has worked intergenerationally down through time. And things that contribute to the agenda as it is un rolling right now were put into place 100 years ago or 150 years ago. That being said, I do believe that we have arrived over the last few years at a rather pivotal point. Maybe if Quigley was alive, 
he would be moving us into a new historical era that he could define for us and say, this is what we're going into. But we've heard it um, from the high chutzpah himself that this is the great reset. And we can tell that things have changed very rapidly over the last few years. What I'm trying to say is don't panic. Don't panic. Don't give in to fear and depression. Don't allow yourself to be overwhelmed by what you're learning. Just stay focused on the big picture. And I do think that that is one of the reasons why our expedition into tragedy and hope is useful because it will help those of you who are following along. And I've heard from many people, thank you, who want to participate. And I think this is going to be fruitful exercise. But I think it's important because it really does frame what's happening right now in a big picture way that allows you to see and have some aha moments and the satisfaction of knowing and understanding rather than the uh, depression or anxiety of feeling that the world is ending in front of us because it isn't yet. Armageddon aside, it isn't yet. And it's still worth getting up in the morning and doing what we can. I talked way too long. I'm sorry about that. Um, but please support if you can. I'm in this this two-week crunch to just do the best that I can to, to keep going here. And... Um, uh, so since I talk so long, it's definitely decided I'm not putting up the second hour. I will link to that along with the other articles that I have read from. And I encourage you all to listen fully to this conversation. It's just so interesting. And then follow up with part two and get that interesting definition of Zionism. So until next week, take care. Well, 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 this is uh, <laughs> Alan, after last night's show, yes. wouldn't it be very, very interesting to go and uh, reach out to these people about their esoteric ways of programming, because they're being programmed big time. Yes, I know. Uh-huh. Yep, that they've followed all the all the Pied Pipers that are put there, and 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 they just parrot what they hear. Yeah. Yeah, the thing that I find so very hard to uh, to accept is that people just follow blindly. Yeah, that they're trained that way, and and of course, well, that's why they give us superstars to follow. Uh, the, the people ah, follow the stars. Yes. Uh huh. And other ones on the short wave because um, they have more access to information. They are the latest. They are the greatest, and they have, they have all the right backing. And um, uh, they, they bring in the new age big time, and and they can lead a merry dance. It's a merry dance, you see. And of course, the Pied Pipers had all the children dancing behind them. It was a very merry dance, but they were led over the cliff edge, and that's that's why they give us Pied Pipers to trap us from going further 
uh, by ourselves, you see. It's a standard procedure. And unfortunately, the public have been so well trained to listen to what they, they think are experts or superstars, and, and they wouldn't listen to an ordinary person giving out the real information, because after all, you know, you're, you're nobody. Um, they want a superstar to tell them this, this kind of stuff. And I was on a show earlier tonight by myself. I had to stand in at the last minute. Oh. And I was going on about that very thing. I said, you know, um, there was a book printed probably in the 1920s. Mm-hmm. And it was a study on human nature. And it was called Straight and Crooked Thinking. And it said that uh, you could have a genius in Hyde Park in London who is a tramp, you know, a vagrant, uh, with a soapbox. And, and that's what you get at Hyde Park. Anybody can go in there with a soapbox, stand on it, and start making some kind of speech. And the people come and they laugh and they jeer, and sometimes some of them will get some, something interesting out of it. But if you took that same tramp up and dressed him and, and, and put him on the London Palladium and promoted him as a professor the same tramp with uh, coat and tails and tie, bow tie and all that, uh, all of the people would, would be paying big bucks to get in to hear this genius, you see, saying the same, the same stuff, yeah. And, oh, and, uh, my, oh my, Ellen, it has been that sad where we have arrived that mm-hmm. we can send people the clown out there mm-hmm. dressed yeah. up in his, uh, you know, Sunday's best. Yeah. And they will just jump up and down and believe when people, the clowns, say you only have to go to the other dimension. Mm-hmm. These people, like Alan, and have to go with a crazy mm-hmm. because, you know, we have the right way. See, I played the right tune. Mm-hmm. Follow me. Yeah, I know. That's right. But, but, however, if you drove around in a Rolls Royce and had a few million dollars in the bank and uh, lived on a, an exotic island off of Britain where millionaires live, uh, you'd be very important then, you see. They'd listen to you then. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you were given the same information, they'd suddenly take an interest in you because people are taught to, to worship what they think are winners in this society we live in. And that's them, those that get to the top by any and all means possible, generally by exploiting everybody else beneath them. But that's called success in our corrupt system. And those who are unsuccessful, meaning those who have not crawled up to the top of the heap, the pyramid of, of bodies behind you, if you're not successful, then they don't want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, but Alan, but you know what is the problem here? All we have to do is look at World War II. Mm-hmm. And Hitler was a sucker yeah. before. Mm-hmm. And then his good trainer from the United States of America got involved with him. Yeah. And the money came and everybody followed that Pied Piper to the tune mm-hmm. of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people in every country, in every place, who lost their lives. They uh, lost their lives. Uh, whole peoples were relocated. They loved to do that in warfare, of course. Uh, and uh, refugees everywhere. And the trick is, you see, that I mean, Adolf Hitler and, and everybody who studied this whole thing can see this. Um, Adolf Hitler was the right man at the right time for the job that he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And apart from the fact, I always thought it so strange that uh, 
all the symbols of the Nazi party and uh, the, 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 the sort of strange parades they had uh, in the Spears they arena. There were Masonic parades that the Black Sun uh, um, emblem on the red, of course, revolution. Uh, that's the swastika, uh, the sun symbol only in reverse, uh, and the black with the blood behind it, of course, for revolution. And and then, of course, you look at Himmler, who had his own Masonic temple built for the SS. Uh, and from the aerial view, uh, you'll see that in the Beijing and Lincoln book uh, on on um, uh, Freemasonry, basically. You, you'll see that the, the aerial view of that it was like a big spear so it was all shaped masonically highly symbolically it was a temple uh, just like the ancient temples of old where the you had the outer temple for the profane and the inner one for the those in the know uh, yes, so yes uh, and they still the ruins still stand in mm -hmm. some of the places here upon the planet yep. and humanity doesn't seem to learn when mm -hmm. when you say to humanity hey wait a minute like this woman was saying you know in our in our church the men do everything and the women they cannot do anything i said what for mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and she says well that's not allowed yeah. i said well you must have a heavy duty masonic ritual going on mm -hmm. Just like with the Eastern Star, yeah. you know, yeah. the women sit somewhere, mm -hmm. wherever, and the men are somewhere else. And of course, you know, we have to program the children at the same time somewhere. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're getting their instructions from other grandmasters who are older, uh, private tuition, to train them in, the, in their particular mindset, that their own program, mental program. But, but, yeah, I mean, Adolf Hitler was back from the beginning by the consortium uh, of the, from the West, including yes. the, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, Ford and Carnegie, all the big boys. Uh, and even here in Canada, the Baxter Laboratories that make inoculations were involved in the big company, IG Farben, which this, these boys set up, which created the whole war machine for Adolf Hitler. And during the trials at Nuremberg... Um, they even set out big highfalutin lawyers from New York to try and, and mislead the inquiry to get, their, to get them off the backs of IG Farber. This, uh, this front shell group uh, that consisted of the Rothschilds, Rockefellers and all these boys who funded Hitler. Uh, IT&T uh, was a big uh, player in, in, in uh, IG Farben. They also, apart from the communications... Uh, buyer, yeah, and these, yeah. in fact, these still are famous for their aspirin and other things, you know. Yes, of course. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is somebody who wants to ask you. I'd like to know Alan's opinion of the late William Cooper. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, William Cooper initially came out to the public uh, after being in the Navy for many years um, in the New Age circuit. He he, he had experienced seeing flying saucers come out the sea uh, when he was on, on a submarine on, on watch and the, his fellow on other sites saw it too they were quizzed by it and after he left the Navy he came out on the New Age circuit talking about this he thought the aliens were here and it was a few years before he realized that he was meant to see what he saw when he thought back over all the stuff that came across his desk to make him think all of this, 
and, and he turned against it and realized this stuff was all being made here, manufactured here. Um, now he lost a leg uh, after being chased off the road. He was on a motorcycle and he was lecturing about what was happening um, in the coming New World Order. And the two men who rode him off the road visited him in the hospital when his leg was amputated and, and said, well, I guess you'll keep your mouth shut now. And Cooper went along with them just so he could live. And once he got a little bit better, got his artificial leg, then he, he started to come on the radio. Now, I think personally, Bill Cooper was being fed information by people inside the Pentagon who probably told him that uh, there were good guys there that, and, and, uh, and that they were going to get a coup going or something and, and get America back. I think initially he, he fell for that. He, so he can, he can affront it for the information he was given. But as the years went on, he began to realize what I'd been saying. In fact, he did listen to some of the talks I'd had on his own history, the American history, the Masonic history. And, and I said that America was set up to do exactly what they're doing. Uh, that was the function of, of the Freemasons set up America to do exactly what it's doing. And I yeah, think... But don't we have here in Canada just a stupid blind dog following and, and pardon me dog, mm -hmm. but isn't it that we are seeing right now that uh, in the United States the people seem to be uh, seventy-five percent blind, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But in Canada, they might be eighty-five percent blind for mm -hmm. having brought on the scene, of course, the Harper and Mulroney lover. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, the Bilderbergers chose Harper. That like you went to the last two Bilderberger meetings, and that they always choose presidents and prime ministers. In fact, Arnold Schwarzenegger went there before he was chosen as the governor of California. So that's your telltale sign as who, who the next man's authorized to be. So, so he's the, the man who is authorized. He's just the front man to parrot what his advisors say. Personally, I, I, I'd rather do away with presidents and prime ministers, and, and, and we should have an Oscar night for their, for their script writers. <laughs> I, I, I really, yeah, I really do think so. We, we can bypass the cost. Don't you, don't you see it? Mm -hmm. uh, when we hear Harper, quack, 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 we uh -huh. just heard push, quack, 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 quack before that. And, and uh -huh. if you listen careful, it wasn't it the same? The same script. Good writer? Yeah. And, and of course, David Frum of Canada is one of their main writers, you see. And, yeah. and David Frum, Frum uh, wrote The Right Man, the, the book on, on President Bush, the pro-Bush book. And he helped in his campaign. And uh, when he was running against Kerry, uh, there was another Canadian who was the, the campaign advisor for Kerry. So two Canadians were, 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 were doing the campaigns for, for the American presidents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, is it with the Canadian people, Alice? Mm -hmm. when, when people here can have a clear view what is taking place over the border, mm -hmm. why are the people here learning... Yeah. of the dangers that are being set up there because they are going to want to have a big major mm -hmm. civil uprise yeah. in the United States instead of we have said to people, mm -hmm. don't go out and protest. Mm -hmm. If you mm -hmm. go out now on the street and protest, yeah. 
that gives an excuse for them, mm -hmm. I think Canada, wasn't it 550,000 uh, mm -hmm. people prison underground in Ontario? Yes. And they also have a huge base underneath uh, Meaford, Ontario, that's much, much larger than that. They've been building it for many years now. And in fact, there's plumbers and electricians been employed there for the last eight years or so full time, just wiring and plumbing these, these underground facilities that can hold up to five million. So, so. And if you go to Nelson, British Columbia, and they get very angry when we keep bringing up Nelson, mm -hmm. but in Nelson, British Columbia, we have a four-lane highway mm -hmm. that is underground, and the two lanes were getting, uh, become ready last year, was it somewhere, May or June, mm -hmm. and the person, the reporter that came and reported it to us, uh -huh. No one has been able to find it. Well, another odd thing was, uh, I think it was maybe five, six years ago, in, uh, it was a British newspaper, which you can buy over in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, they had the report on the largest, one of the largest underground tunnels that was being set up by an architect at that time from the, the Russia. And they began in a place called, I think it was Pigeon Lake, British Columbia, and they were, they were tunneling under the North Sea and coming up inside uh, the, the Soviet Union or, the, or Russia. And it was to be completed in five years, so I presume it's already done. There's much, they, they do as tell us these little things and then, and then they go quiet upon it. When, because because they legally they tell us what they're doing. They, they simply don't go over it and, and, and tell us ten times till we remember it, you know. Well, but, but they do tell most us. Of people, most of the people, Alan, mm -hmm. when you try to say to them, well, take a look at this or take a look at that, they say, oh, you know, you're talking about something that, it, you know, it doesn't exist what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. I said, well, I said, it's maybe because you're an ostrich and have your head in the, under the sand mm -hmm. because you haven't gone to look. Yeah, so, Alan, mm, can you tell me what mm, it is with the conservatives, Harper in Canada? Mm -hmm. Do they have a death wish? They remind me of an ex-premier, Joe Clark. Harper oh, mm -hmm. uh, uh -huh. uh, is being secretive over up in Iraq, very suspicious. Mm -hmm. The peace Christians released were, in fact, trying to convert. Muslims, etc. So Harper government is a patsy for the liberal return in the fall of 2006. People in BC tell me Harper SI, a block has just Well, I believe that uh, Harper is controlled by Mulroney, and of course he is, as we know, New World Order man, order yeah. man plus two plus two. Yeah, always, that's right. Uh, if you look at the, the I think it was the Desmarais family in, in Quebec, yeah, they, they, got a, they call it the Power Corporation. They, they train high executives and prime ministers for positions, and a whole bunch of the, the prime ministers of Canada all worked for, the, for that company before being prime ministers of Canada. Uh, these are not elected by the people. They're trained for their jobs. They're, they're front puppets. Although we do have better front puppets than the U.S. generally, uh, I mean, um, they tend to stick to their script better. 
whereas George Bush tends to wander off it and get enthusiastic at times <laughs> and, and, and totally loses the people. You know, oh, so. Alan, you're so dead, George. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I watched that uh, during the Ter Terry Schiavo sacrifice, that's what it was. Uh, yeah. During that whole thing, where they could have kept it totally quiet from the public if they wanted to, um, I knew something was coming and going to be stuck up in the middle of it. And sure enough, in March last year, uh, we, we saw Martin and, and, and Bush and Fox uh, meet at Waco, Texas, and sign the United Americas Agreement. And, yeah. and they, should, they put two minutes or two and a half minutes on the CBC News. And I turned over to, I taped it, I knew it was coming up. And I, I said, I was probably the only person in Canada doing it. And, uh, and then I taped the Global News that did a little bit better story on it. And the, the Global News uh, reporter stood up in the audience and, and asked these guys, these three guys, who said, this sounds just like the European Union. Is that what it is? And, and Mr. Martin, being a better lawyer, jumped in first. And he, he, he did his little uh, tap dance and said, well, it's not quite the, the real big bang. It's just a, 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 the beginning of a series of, of meetings on this subject. He said they had, they had 50 to com or, or five more to do uh, in 2005 to complete the unification of the Americas. But then George Bush jumped in. He couldn't contain himself, and he was off his, he, he was off his script. Yeah, he was off his script. He was all enthusiastic, and he said, well, what's wrong with that? He says, what's wrong with free trade uh, and, and total free trade like, like Europe and, and so on? And, and uh, he got carried away. You know, his advisors were in the background trying to hush him down, but, but little George was on a roll, you know. So, uh, so yeah, this is, the amalgamation has been done. After 9-11, jumping before 9-11, uh, let's go back to when uh, Alan Rock was the Minister of Justice in Canada, and I think it was 1998 he put through an omnibus crime bill, pretty well single-handedly, that, that had all the rights of martial law, confinement with, with, without trial, and definitely, and except this was like all the stuff that we heard years later. He put it through himself, and even the reporters at the time said, well, what's going on here? The Cold War is over. Um, uh, what's the threat? He, what's, what's, all, what's going on? This is martial law he's putting through here. And so these guys all knew that 9-11 and 2001 was going to happen. They all knew it. And they were getting it all set up uh, for it happening before it actually happened. They, they knew. And Alan Rock, of course, was then transferred to the United Nations as Canada's ambassador. So that makes perfect sense. So but the thing is that most people, Alan, can see the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. And uh, some go, Jimmy, ask you, uh, does Alan think there is any significance to the peace Christians being released on day 119, 9-11 in reverse? And just how special is the date, June the 6th, 2006, 666, mm -hmm. 6, or the triple six? Yeah. The number of, of the Christian beasts, mm -hmm. uh, Revelation beasts. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the 666 thing will be always significant. You know, in, in Britain, before they, they brought out the universal 9 11, 
um, emergency response number which is from Revelations, that's why they picked it, because it's, a, it's the Masonic beast, you see. Uh, and in chapter 9, verse 11, the beast of war, this is what it means, is released from the pit to create chaos. That's what they mean by 9-11. And, but before that, in Britain, the number you dialed for emergency was 999, and as you dialed it on the old rotary phones, it came up 666. <laughs> And then you look at the police forces in Britain, and round their hats they have the Masonic black and white squares, the chessboard, the Masonic yes. floor. Uh, it's all Masonic, yeah. Yes, but most people do not quite comprehend that the chessboard is so mm -hmm. very important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because people don't understand that the chessboard says we always win. But they always win, especially when they set up the game in advance, and, and we, the pawns, don't even know us the game is on. Uh, that's, it's also the, it also represents the floor of Freemasonry, the tesserated floor. That's what they call it. And it's, it's, it goes way back. You'll find in Westminster Cathedral uh, on the walls next to the, t the tombs of many of the original Norman knights that came in. Uh, you'll, you'll see uh, Egyptian obelisks inside the church next to those uh, tombs and you'll see the Masonic tesserated floor on the floor itself and on the walls. So this is an ancient system that goes back to Egypt because the word Senate, where the senators come, is a Masonic meeting place, and Senate in Egyptian means the chessboard. That's where the word comes from. So... There is uh, a lady, and uh, do you provide the... Uh Please, please explain to me what one is supposed to get from meditation, PM, or otherwise. I never got anything from it except a bit relaxed. Mm -hmm. Where do the controllers hope to lead us? What else can one do to gain some spiritual insight, access to that greater life force? Thank you so very much. Okay, well, there, in California, mm -hmm. the 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 ones that are out there t teaching meditation, um, it's not the highest form of understanding. That's why it's medi, it's middle. <laughs> That's what it means. You see, so it's middle. It's not high. And they're not supposed to know what to do. Yes, and, and here's another little thing that that that. Um, at one time was taught, in ancient times it was always taught, uh, the early Christian churches had to teach it because the people had memory from the old religions, and then they gradually did away with it. But um, in all the ancient mystery religions, uh, the body on earth, this is where the, trin the Trinity first came from. A person's journey was where soul and, and, and matter met on, on the planet earth which is the third planet again, so you're number three, third planet from the sun. And so spirit, so soul, which is different from spirit, soul and, and body uh, met. And of course soul was the animating life force that, that, that pooled for its soul mate. The soul mate was the other part made for that particular soul. And that was called spirit. And so you had three different things here. And over time, the Catholic Church gradually melded spirit into soul till they were synonymous and taught you, well, 
And, and of course, the New Agers teach this, and they say, well, you see, you're immortal anyway. I heard this guy last night saying that. I thought I almost fell off my chair laughing. And, and um, he, he said, yeah, he, he said, he said, uh, well, he, he says... He was so young, he, he may uh, not have been in the know. I told him to listen tonight. I said, yeah. it will be interesting. Well, if he was young, then he wasn't a poor old soul. He was a, 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 he was a poor young soul. And um, he, he said, well, you see, we're immortal anyway, and that's the new age spin. In other words, Ike said the same thing. It doesn't matter what happens. Nothing's real. They can't kill you. They can kill the body, but you go on and you come back. So I guess, I guess all you do, since the same elite have run this world for many, many millennia, I guess you keep coming back and getting killed over and over. I don't see the point in that personally, you know. But... Uh, uh, that's what they're being told by them all. It doesn't matter if they kill you, because you'll, you'll get another chance, you see. And you heard this guy last night. Ah, you know, he yeah. was ready to die, because, mm -hmm. you know, uh, he could go to this other dimension, like this other woman. She said, uh -huh. oh, you know, if something happens, I just go to the other yeah. dimension. That's and right. And they said, show it to me. Well, see, dimension is also coupled with dementia. And, 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 and see, and it's, it's also called. Oh, they love you now. And it's also called demented, you see. And, and so that's where the root word comes from. Uh, so, so I almost called in to ask him if he has the portal or if David Icke's got it. Let me me know the Masonic password so I can come through. Because I'm sure that'll be the only way you'll get in. You know, you got to have the right password for the tiler at the door. So. Uh, but I thought I'd better off it and said, no, I won't, I, won't, I, won't, uh, I won't ask him this question. But no, that's the key to that. They're, they're telling people it doesn't really matter what happens. You, you're, you're, you're immortal anyway. You'll live forever. And that's a recent teaching. That's a recent yeah, teaching. Yeah, but you know, Ellen, they get very annoyed with me when I say to them that they need to come to a place where they need to get real. Uh -huh. Become real people. You know, people that are true to who they are, to, to what they believe is just. Yeah, uh -huh. And yet when you look at these people, and, and I, I have to say it, you know, if people that are out there have the wisdom or, or the goodness or what shall we say? And we say to them, you know, we are doing this, you and I, we have been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, helping them to wake up, to come out of their slimy programming mm -hmm. into reality where they have the power, they have the wisdom, mm -hmm. where they know what to do when mm -hmm. these things are going to roll very soon. And they don't believe me when I say it is very soon. Yeah, I know, I know. They think I am out to lunch. And well, when I mm -hmm. say that we need help, mm -hmm. They think they don't need to help us. We can go to hell mm -hmm. because someone had the darn nerve to say that, you know, you know everything we have, we need for ourselves. I said, yeah, you meet society, but you're listening here mm -hmm. to get help from us, to get educated, to come out of your stupid slumber, yeah. your magnetic hypnotism that they put on you with their heart vibration. Mm -hmm. Come on now, it's time to wake up and to get real. Yeah. And don't say to us that we don't need to exist 
because to run this day in, day out, mm -hmm. to educate them, to bring them the information, for you to help them yeah. to be empowered, mm -hmm. they need to do something, and I hope they buy your book. Yes, uh, yes, and it's, it's not just the books. I mean, it's the, they should help people who are putting out their own time, energy, and money to try and help them. Uh, we're not selling gold and silver or anything else, uh, you know, or, or, or the big Berkey machine that's got a little light on it so they can find you in the air, the aircraft, you know. Uh, we're, we're selling no gimmicks. We're selling no mag magical herbs, the, the, the latest scientific discovery that's going to bust you at the bank with, with a bunch of modified grass, uh, whatever the latest fad is. We're not selling them anything. Uh, all we're trying to do is to get them to start living and living doesn't mean that you follow uh, the regular purpose-made uh, well-funded meditation groups they all go back to Freemasonry by the way the but they don't understand when, when, they, when they go and say they meditate and you look at them then you say but they sit there like a bunch of program puppets mm -hmm. And they are never given any power mm -hmm. or any awakening because they would not want to awaken them. That's right. They want to have them in their state so they can control them yeah. until they keel over or maybe they're rounded up. Because mm -hmm. it's coming, this rounding them up is coming soon. Yes. But, well, but for them it won't be happening, you see, so it won't be real. It won't be real. And they'll all find portals that'll just open in front of them and they, and they can escape, you see. That, that's what they think. Uh, or that's what, this is desperation time for those people. This is an yeah, act of but desperation. That is like the uh, Christians believe in the rapture and the sky opens up and the mm -hmm. Jesus guy comes with his elevator and loads them mm -hmm. all up. I have warned them. I said, you be careful out there mm -hmm. for holographic imaging because they're going to fool and trick you big time. Yeah, well, I call it the great rupture. It's not the rapture. It's, it's the great rupture, you see. That's that's what that's when it all it, it all falls apart for them. Do you know there was a craze in the U.S. where, uh, and we know that everything to do with the big the big holy rollers in the U.S. the superstars, the multi-million dollar guys, uh, they put out insurance companies for the for the for the, the rapture. So is that those who are taken from their cars and so on, and they had posters on their cars about this stickers. Uh, if, if I am suddenly whisked off to heaven, um, uh, please contact my wife and an insurance policy is number so-and-so and so-and-so. And so. I mean, this is the madness that they're all into, you know. Uh, yes, it, it, and of course, Alan, as you know better than anyone, mm -hmm. these people are not in that state of where they are going to say, well, you know, after all, we need to get with it and we are needing to pull ourselves up yeah. before it's too late. Mm -hmm. And uh, someone says here, I just got Ellen's book. So very, very interesting. They wake you up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, I suppose they will. And uh, that is caused the, uh, also the only way where we are at this moment to... Uh, empower the mm -hmm. people yeah. but are they going to empower each other or are they going to go and say well you know I know it but since I know it I don't have to really 
your height and your neck and your whole livelihood that's there because we don't need to help you to give us the information, honey. It is the me society who always believes that me is me and me, the hell with you. I know they have a... Any bookstore now has a huge self-help uh, um, shelf. Well, it's a whole series of shelves, all self-help. And uh, the, the Freemasons and Dobson and these guys all came out to, uh, to give this positive thinking stuff years ago. And it's all Freemasonic. And the idea at that time was to, to um, wean them off the traditional religions, bring them into the new age way of thinking, and, and then literally... Um, do a, a number on their heads <coughs> and so they keep shopping for the next book and the next book and the next book because none of them work uh, it's amazing that the, the average individual who's born with the power of reason that we've, we're born with it uh, although it's a tough job everything's stacked against us when we're born in the system if your parents don't know the children will think everything is natural in the system whatever the system is they think is natural and well, it is supposed to be that you, when you are born, become a shuttle of mm-hmm. the state or the country. Mm-hmm. And of course, as I said to them last night, and if you don't believe it, mm-hmm. you are worth $139 a life, mm-hmm. but you're worth $169,000 uh-huh. when you're dead. Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, I know they can sell all your parts and so on. And, and then even for the autopsy, they charge that to the taxpayer because these guys never lose. Well, see, we are the only going concern on the, on the planet or the general public. We're the only guys who make anything, uh, that actually produce anything. And through the taxation, they, they take it from us. And then they can hire all their think tanks and their Gestapos and their armies and their torturers. Uh, and and figure out um, the next part of their agenda in detail. It's interesting that Albert Pike, again, who put most of the agenda in his own book, Morals and Dogma, uh, he he said that we've been behind every major revolution, the Freemasonry, and he said we never fail because we never begin a premature revolution. They do all the groundwork through think tanks, just like a military operation. They look at all opposition types, what kinds of opposition opposition will come their way, and they have ways to overcome it, and they have their front men ready to lead the people in loops and circles. Uh, that's why they don't. And see, most revolutions are non-bloody. They're cultural revolutions, They're like the sexual revolution, the, the feminist revolution, homosexual, lesbian uh, and, and then even even the youth revolution, uh, the pop revolution, uh, these are revolutions that are planned in advance by the boys with money. Nothing is spontaneous. Nothing came from the grassroots. It's from the top down. And this is a science that was understood by the ancient Egyptians who taught it to the Greek nobility. They studied in Egypt. And Plato put it in, in the Republic, uh, this whole technique of controlling the public and how culture is flexible and all culture comes from the top down and all cultural changes come from the top down anything that was grassroots that they came in outside of their plans could have such amazing ripple effects even an innocent sounding thing could have such amazing ripple effects it could knock their plan haywire 
That's why. You know the thing, Alan, that they also do not understand. They have to think this. All that is taking place still from the one that came down the Caucasus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Uh-huh. Yeah. They don't understand that all the Jesuits and the Masonic movement mm-hmm. are all the same. Yeah. And, oh, a bidding says here for $600 you can get Wayne Dyer's CD set, you mm-hmm. see? Cash yeah. on delivery. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's, 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 it's true enough. Uh, this, this bunch came out, the caucuses, came out with a revolutionary technique for the agenda. It's an ancient technique, and um, we, we find that even in, in the Hasidic... Uh, rabbinical tradition, this thing of revolution um, and the creation of Golem, uh, a Kabbalistic technique of creating an artificial man who's a slave. And that's where we're going. Uh, we're going to create the next uh, hermaphroditic type of Golem, uh, an artificial slave who can toil 24 hours a day with no complaint, you see. Uh, they want to chip everyone in the process on the road to this hermaphroditic new being. And since nothing's normal anymore, nothing to compare, we're, on, we're in flux culturally, so we have nothing to compare normality with, then they can bring this forward fairly soon, uh, this new purpose-made clone-type being. And uh, you know, it, it will be in, genetically enhanced. If I can for a moment, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are, and because you are listening to, of course, cutting through the matrix, with one in the, very much in the know, Alan Watt, researcher and author. He has a website. Believe it or not, it's maybe the hottest website that's out there. And it is www.cuttingthroughthematrix.com. He has books, three books available, Cutting Through One, The, the Androgynous, Hermaphroditic Agenda, Cutting through to a glimpse into the great world, cutting through three, a esoteric unveil, and the meaning of revelations in high Masonic tradition. Each is $25 payable in international postal money order, which is available at your post office. Believe it or not, you can do it. A new video, and the video is very interesting, new video. Reality Check can be downloaded from the website. You can still do that. And uh, you who are wanting to be in the know, you need to wake up your friends and family to get them in the know in a hurry. And of course, Eric says here, what does Anna think are the indigo children they seem like the way creators, children, have always acted. Well, we know if children are wise, clever, and fat, you have to put them on drugs and tone them down. That's their opinion. Let us see what Alan is going to tell you. Here's Alan. Yeah, I mean, years ago, they, 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 they see, this agenda has been well covered by those who participated in setting up the agenda and no one bothers to read their books uh, like the, the Zygmunt Brzezinski's uh, Between Two Ages 
with the psychotronic warfare as we go through the big changes that we, that we use heart technology to alter our mindsets as we go through it um, and drugging us from the air, that kind of stuff, the spraying. Um, they also knew that the children, uh, those who are future leaders, would be tested at school very severely with certain tests and those with, with leadership abilities, primarily the males, would, would get picked out and, and be put on drugs like Ritalin, which does shrink the brain actually. It does actually have physical effects on the brain, long, uh, well, permanent effects on the brain. And that's really what they're, they're doing. Um, they're getting rid of future leaders who have uh, independent inquiring minds they don't want uh, inquiring minds, they want uniformity, predictable people as we, as we come through the great changes that have been planned for such a long time. They're getting rid of potential troublemakers before they become troublemakers. This is how you work a, a long-term military uh, a battle out on, on, on paper. This is what they do. And we're seeing the effects of it now. With, with, as I say, all the massive inoculations that, that, that are doing a great job for dumbing them down. Arthur Kessler's book uh, is K-O-E-S-T-L-E-R. Arthur Kessler worked for Stalin, then the United Nations in New York. He worked on ways to lobotomize that part of the brain that gives you your critical thinking abilities. Um, he said the public will no longer need those survival mechanisms because the elite will be steering the ship or planet Earth for them and, and making all their decisions for them. Uh, this is real. Uh, they've written about it. He was through the techniques they were, they were using then. And he said all we have to do is spray the stuff on them from the air, put it in the inoculations uh, and maybe even in their drinking water or their food while they're doing all of the above. Because that's why you have such a dumbed-down people at the moment, tranquilized, as we go through major changes that should have them all on edge um, and asking questions. They're tranquilized, and, and actually many of them are physically, physically lobotomized. Uh, William Cooper, that was mentioned earlier, talked about this. He, he said many people will come to love this new type of socialism, this, this fascist-type socialism, uh, where all their decisions are made for them by experts and they wouldn't have to do any thinking at all. Well, that's what the public are doing. Uh, they, they have come to actually give or acquiesce their, their reasoning abilities, or their power to think to the media and they, they truly believe that whatever is worth knowing will come to them from the media, that they will be told that, and that they don't have to do any thinking for themselves. This was written about by Brzezinski between two ages, and in his last book, they just happened to have the whole agenda for, for the next Gulf War, beginning with Afghanistan number one, Iraq number two, the invasion of Iran number three, then Syria number four. Uh, that's the book called The Grand Ch uh, Chessboard by Zygmunt Brzezinski, top advisor to the US presidents and the present one, and also uh, Secretary of State of War at one point. Uh, master of mind control that's his own book people should read it for themselves and, and say my god what a coincidence this man could actually have the whole formula for these invasions written about and published in 1998 and he said in the book uh, he said we'll need something an attack on America on the scale of a Pearl Harbor event to yeah. motivate the public behind us for this war and, and 
In other words, it's like planning it in advance with a new American Century group with, with Brzezinski, Rumsfeld, uh, Wolfowitz, oh, so Perl, they have Perl, Cheney, and, and they published that first in 92. This private organization published their agenda and with the same order of attacks beginning with Afghanistan. They published it again in 98. Uh, people can find it on the websites, I believe, the New American Century. And, 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 and I was asked you, mm -hmm. if the power that be, that be control publishing, how does someone like Brzezinski get books like that out uh -huh. to the public? Oh, because this is a legality with them. They, they will tell you that they're so legal-minded, they will tell you what they plan to do. And the full knowledge that the general public are, are not interested in reading the books, but legally they're out there. And, and they're available, a lot of them, at libraries. But there's no sex in it, no, 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 no Hollywood scandals and things. Or, <laughs> there, there's no sports, there's no sports there, you know. And, um, no, great, no, no great, really, really deep plot. I mean, it's a very open plot. Uh, so no one reads them, but legally they always put their books out there for you to read. The same with Lord Bertrand Russell, who put the whole agenda in, 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 in his books for training the public uh, with his road to education, education in the good life. Uh, the, uh, here another one, um, the impact of science on society, where he does the same agenda as Brzezinski, saying that, that sciences would be used on the public, which the public would be totally unaware of, but would be completely tr controlling their minds by the end of the millennium. No, nobody reads the books put out by the big boys, and um, so so. But legally, they're out there. Yeah, and of course, the media won't won't mention these books to the general public. Uh, the media's job is to make us, you know, talk about Michael Jackson and so on. That's the that's their job. Yeah. Oh, it's much more fun. You never saw so much garbage mm -hmm. on the shelves in the store as you see today because it is nothing else of movie stars doing whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, it goes on and on and on. And, and you know, when you look at it, you think, my, how can people pay five, eight, and ten dollars for these pieces of garbage? But what can you do, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, here is Corey. Alan, how should we then be spiritual and meditate? Please tell us. Mm -hmm. Meditation is a bit overdone in a certain sense. In <coughs> um, ancient oracles of, of Delphi and other places, it had always been known, uh, and even show you this in the Matrix movie written by the big boys themselves, um, uh, where he goes to see the oracle in the movie, but above the door, just like the oracle at Delphi, it said, Know thyself. And until you know yourself, you cannot know anything else in, in truth. You'll always be misled. And it's knowing thyself that's, that's the, the start of all journeys. Uh, you are the only material that you can guarantee that you can work on and be sure that you can work on yourself. It is a lot of work, to be honest. That's 9,000 years ago. Yep. If you want a better world, you must work on yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't work on anyone else. You must train and understand your thoughts and mm -hmm. actions and choose the good actions and abolish the bad actions. Yeah. And no killing. 
And that is so sad because so many years ago, and today we have these people who have played around with what is out there, what is good, and uh, they no longer spend attention to what is good, Alan. It seems that they are drifting away farther and farther and farther from that what is wholesome, that what will protect the small child, that will be good for the elderly, and that will be good for the animals. But people do not understand. It takes a linking, yeah. They are by the age of 50 to be discarded. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. The useless eaters, and, and Bertrand Russell, who worked for the Royal Institute of International Affairs, um, a commissioned royal charter to back it up, um, and, and a leader in a lot of the scientific uh, agenda for this mind control said that very thing that um, that uh, the techniques that they had available were so perfected that that very few people would be able to to resist it. Um, but but knowing thyself begin it's a big process. It's it's the hardest thing for most people to do is to be totally honest with themselves. Yeah. Totally honest. And when you are, and you can sort of um, get away from this, you can't, I, I don't think you can do it in a city. I truly don't. Uh, personally, I cannot go near cities because I feel a physical buzz from the city long before I come near it. Uh, it's it's, it's uh, destructive. I pick up the, the raw uh, hype of the people before I even enter the city. Um, you have to be away from it and you, you must spend time on yourself, analyze your every deed, and when you're truly, truly, genuinely serious, um, things will start to change within you. A process begins which starts to run up like a program almost, um, and if you're truly serious, this program will make you go through things which you'd never have believed in uh, until they happen to you because your, your life history will, will flash, not flash before your eyes, it's like a movie that won't shut off. Uh, and Until you go from beginning to end, you'll see people you've hurt even on a daily basis uh, and never even knew that you hurt by an off-handed comment or something, but you'll see it through their eyes and so on. And if you miss anything the first time, you'll get a replay. Uh, yeah, that's right. Many of them that are out there get good replays. Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. Mr. Chair asked you if chemicals are being sprayed worldwide, do the world elite ingest these chemicals also, or do they have special breathing areas and organic food grown in clean areas? Mm -hmm. Well, we know that China did never sign the treaty of spraying, uh -huh. and we also know that Switzerland did never sign that treaty uh -huh. the, uh, of uh, space because uh -huh. they said ours is not free space. Yeah. And, and also in, in Britain, I, I believe the parts around Balmoral Castle and the biggest states where uh, Charles and the boys traditionally have their, they still have their peasant farmers, their serf-type farmers there, and they grow all their own cattle and the crops naturally they have no modified crops for, for the elite uh, in fact all the biggest states are the same they, they, that's why they've kept them all this time and never got rid of them they have these tenant farmers that, that grow crops naturally they use natural manures and so on 
there's no modified grain of any kind, even for the feed for the cattle, there's no inoculations, so they're getting the best of everything for themselves. So that's one way of taking care of this. Uh, another thing to, is, is to do with um, advanced types of collation that they've been using for centuries, in fact, which can flush out many of See, science, as I always say, science, there are three levels of everything in this world. That's the high Masonic way. Uh, from professorship down, which is the, the world that most people live in, and media, that's the lowest level of science. There's a middle level above that uh, that's available to, to higher members of helpers to this system. The Rosicrucians made that known in the 1500s. You'd have life extension to advanced sciences. And, and sure enough, we see the big players of the Rosicrucians living into their 90s and 100s. Um, uh, so, so they have advanced sciences which can flush this stuff out. Uh, and, and that's what they're getting, how they're getting rid of it. As far as the bacteria and, and viruses uh, are concerned, uh, I've got a, a two-page uh, two cutout I've kept from a report on Porton Down, British military bacterial warfare centre, where a reporter went in, I think it was in the Daily Mail, and I have a two-page spread which I kept, and he said, these men sat, or these scientists came in in the morning uh, and talked about their gardening and so on. Then they went on to their job and, and how, how they perfected uh, viruses which could be released upon the public, which would multiply, they could program the viruses like computers, and they would multiply so many millions of times and then they couldn't reproduce any more. They'd kill themselves off. Uh, so they also, during every stage of, of the, the, the gradual evolution the, the, the scientifically forced evolution or change of these viruses and bacterium, they always must, by international law, have the antidote, the real antidote to it. So the big boys have the antidotes, and they are given uh, the antidotes of all known uh, viruses and bacteriums and all the scientifically altered ones in existence. Now, apart from that, here's an even bigger thing. <laughs> which people should search for on CBC archives. And it was to do with, uh, the program is called Phagiocytes. And this is very, very, very important. It shows you how they can keep you in one reality while another one exists. In the West, of course, we're taught that, that, that Alexander Fleming just discovered penicillin by pure chance with some fungus that came into a petri dish on the windowsill of a hospital, which is all hogwash because the miners were using penicillin from molds in the 1700s and 1800s in Britain. Um, now, phagocyte, a phagocyte is a cell, a, blood, a cell which will travel in your blood or your body, and it will, it will eat uh, bacterium or viruses or dead tissue that's been damaged. They'll eat it up and, and get rid of it, you see. Uh, and here's how the story on the CBC went. Uh, a, a Jewish guy from Canada was so horrified at, uh, I think his name was Rosens. Uh, he left Canada in 1917 to go over and help uh, the Bolshevik Revolution because there were so many people getting gangrene and disease in this massive horrific battle uh, that was ongoing for years. And he went over with the knowledge. Now, he, this is the kicker. He went over with the knowledge of how 
to create viruses and alter viruses that, w that could eat specific types of bacterium and other viruses. This is 1917. And, he w and, and the CBC showed you the premises in Georgia where they set them up. They're still running today. Where they, where they had flesh from all kinds of diseases from the early 1900s. They had, the, they had these phagiocyte special viruses They've never used antibiotics right up to, 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 the, to recent times in Russia, all through the Soviet Union, because they didn't need them. And they showed you a child coming in with uh, a bacterial pneumonia. Um, they simply did a little swab test, uh, a sputum test, found out what specific bacterium it was. That's what we do here. And then, within two days, they had the antidote, the virus that would kill that bacteria. Once it killed off the bacterium, the virus then died itself.